Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi and this is the third day of straight podcasting in a row. It's actually going pretty good. When I retire, I think I might make this into, when I retire in seven to ten years, I might make this into a weekly show. It actually works out really nice. Uh, let's see Yeah, Not a weekly, a daily show. Goodness gracious, it's already a weekly show, barely. Uh, let's start off, though. We have lots of news, lots and lots and lots of news. Let me go to the beginning here. Episode 51. Super exciting. We'll dig right in. Elon Musk confirmed that Tesla's in discussions with the Indian government to temporarily to seek a temporary relief on import penalties and restrictions until Tesla can build a factory. So if you remember, Tesla or Elon sent a, t- a tweet out not too long ago that said, we'd love to be in India, but we have to build our cars there and we can't build our cars there at the moment. And the... Um, minister of something in India said, well, you could sell your cars here. You just need to have 30% of the parts sourced in India. And Tesla was like, well, we can't because India doesn't make the parts that we need for up to 30%. So let's talk about maybe taking the penalties and restrictions and put a temporary relief on those. And then until we can build a factory in India. To build cars. That's super cool. It's super exciting. I wonder I wonder how different the cars will be in India. I have I've never been to India, but I've been to Thailand a couple of times. Not that they're the same thing, but uh there are places where um a big car like a Model S would work great in Thailand. Those are typically outside of large cities like Bangkok. And there are places that it wouldn't uh that a Model 3 would work better. And I don't know. It's it's hard to say if in if Tesla would start building cars tailor made for India. I guess custom made for India. Um, again, I've never been to India, so I don't know what their needs are. But uh, you can't you can't imagine that the needs of the people in India, um, based on all the stuff that they have going, they have, you know, large population centers, and then they have r- large rural areas. 
And maybe a Model 3 won't work, but a Model uh, a Tesla pickup would work better in the rural and a Model 3 would work better in the city. Who knows? But it's exciting news. I think India is super cool. There's a great documentary on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix by Mike Woods or Mike Wood, excuse me. And it's like a five-part documentary on India, and it is so good. I highly suggest checking it out. Um, if I can find it, I'll. If I remember, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for that documentary. Let's see. Uh, and just so you know, discuss. I'm, I'm sure you're all aware of this. Discussions don't mean that India is going to actually lift the restrictions or or the penalties. Um, they played hardball with Apple, and I'm pretty sure Apple just caved and was like, okay, we'll start building iPhones here in India so we can sell them here. Don't quote me on that. I, that's a story that I heard about a long time ago, or read a long time ago, and I'm not... I might be fuzzy on the details. Um, Audi... This is a funny story. Audi is trolling Elon Musk just a little bit. Um... Audi's got a new EV coming out soon. I think 2019 or 2020. There's, I'm not sure which one's on the billboard, but they put up a billboard in Berlin, and it's got a picture of the car, which is beautiful, and uh, it's got the words "Musk have." So it's kind of funny, cute little play on words, and it's fun to see the friendly teasing between Audi and Tesla, and hopefully. Um, Tesla will have something fun to throw back. I mean, none of this, I mean, there's enough people in the world to buy and enough, uh, there's enough people in the world that companies don't need to be um, jerks to each other. And this friendly teasing makes, you know, following all this stuff fun, I think. Uh, there's a YouTube video, and I'll put the link in the show notes. I, and the show notes have its own little special area for videos. But there's a YouTube video showing a Model Three or Model S, excuse me, with hardware one. Um, they did this test, and it's a Tesla versus a bike. So basically, what they did is at first they put the bike out um, long ways, I guess, or perpendicular to the Tesla, and the Tesla saw it. It thought it was a car, and but I guess it's just back up here. What their goal was is would autopilot stop for a bike and they have a driver in the car so um, the person who was on the bike it wasn't in danger of actually getting hit and they've videoed all this and it's pretty interesting it's about 20 minutes long um, <clears throat> but what they came up with was tesla was very good um, at recognizing it when it was perpendicular to the bike when the bike was perpendicular to the tesla but if the bike was going the same direction as a Tesla, it didn't recognize it as well, which makes sense. And this was a hardware one, so hardware one vehicle, Model S. So hardware two might be better at it. Uh, but it was an interesting test. It's an interesting video, so I highly suggest taking a look at it, and I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, la, 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 la. Inside EV's Eric Loveday. According to a report, Tesla's... Fremont factory is not efficient in um, employees, employees, way, not employees, but employees, way too many workers per car produced. So this is from an article, they're quoting an article called Automotive News, or from Automotive News. And what Automotive, hard time talking today, what Automotive News had to say was, at its peak, the Numi plant, which is the Fremont plant that Apple or Tesla took over, the factory could churn out some 500,000 vehicles per year. Yet, 
Tesla CEO Elon Musk says the automaker is out of space at its Fremont factory, despite production numbers being far, far lower, which is their production numbers right now are about 82,000 cars, a little more than that. Uh, so this is what automotive, I guess that was Eric Loveday, his quote. This is what automotive news has to say about it. Um, in this temple of lean manufacturing, I, uh, it's kind of a gross way of writing, but anyway, uh, Tesla uses far more workers than Numi, than Numi employed to build far fewer cars. In 1980, 1985, its first year of production, the Numi had 2,470 employees and produced 64,764 vehicles. It's pretty good. Um, that's about 26 vehicles per worker per, per year. In 1997, if you're doing your math, that's 12 years later, it had 4,844 workers and it produced 357,000 cars, uh, vehicles per year. And that's 74 vehicles per worker per year. That's, that's pretty good. And I mean, you're definitely operating at scale at that point when you're producing that many vehicles. Tesla, on the other hand, had between 6,000 and 10,000 workers in 2016 and manufactured 83,922 vehicles. That puts it at 8 to 14 vehicles per worker per, per year, which is definitely not as efficient as the Numi plant. So why, why is this? Why, why does it take more people to build a Tesla? Well, uh, for one thing, the Model S and the Model X are kind of specialty vehicles, and Tesla makes a lot of its own parts on site. So because of that, um, I don't know that it's a fair um, comparison. The Numi plant, which I think was owned by Toyota, they're building cars for, you know, mass consumer driving, whereas Tesla's building luxury vehicles. Um, could the car produced at the Numi plant, um, the parts were mostly outsourced. Like I said, where Tesla builds its own and then Elon himself has said that uh, the Model S and the Model X, uh, they could have been more efficient, but they were learning along the way. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. It's not anybody's business but the shareholders, <laughs> how efficient or inefficient Tesla is. But it makes sense. I mean, they're building a new car with a new platform, new technology, and they're trying to upgrade their systems as they go along. So yeah, at first, as they're figuring this out, it's going to be a little more inefficient. The Model 3 should change that, though, uh, because they've built, or they've designed the Model 3 for a mass-market vehicle, as a mass-market vehicle. And so we'll see in a year what happens to Tesla's profit margins. Right now, they're not really profitable. I think they had one profitable quarter last year, but that wasn't a whole lot. Um, and then also Tesla's putting a lot of money into its infrastructure, into its gigafactories, into its charging network, um, into the solar, designing this, the solar panels, um, and the solar roof, that kind of stuff, and the, and the batteries. So there's a lot on Tesla's plate. At some point, just like, um, Amazon, Amazon operates on very thin margins, and then at some point they're just going to flip a switch and those thin margins are going to, well, Tesla doesn't have any margins. They're below 
they're well below. But at some point, they'll be able to flip that switch because they've got the energy creation, energy storage, and the vehicle side of things. And at some point, that's all going to become profitable. It might take a couple of years, but they have more than enough money in the bank, hopefully. And the Model 3 should help them um, get over that hump. And also, I think, and we talked about this yesterday with the 2170 batteries versus what's in the um, Model S and Model X. As they continue to refine those cars, they're going to make the uh, manufacturing process more streamlined. So that will also help their bottom line. Uh, there's another cool video. I came, came across a lot of videos this week of a Porsche trying to keep up with a Model S in ludicrous mode. Uh, let's put it this way. It doesn't end well for the Porsche. Um, it's about a 20-second video worth taking a look at. Uh, next one is from Fred Lambert. The Jaguar I-Pace has a thermal management system um, that will add 50 kilometers or 30 miles in range to your vehicle. Uh, this technology is based off of Jaguar's Formula E, which is the all-electric race cars. Uh... So I'm going to play the video because I don't think I can explain it as well as the guy on the video. I'll also put the link to the, the article with the video in it in the show notes. Uh, you're going to be hearing Wolfgang Zybart. The thermal management system of the IPACE is uh, extremely sophisticated and very, very advanced. It not only keeps the battery within the required range of temperature, but any amount of energy which is created somewhere in the car, for instance, the power electronics or the motors, is being harvested and uh, either uses it to heat up the battery or uses it to heat up the interior compartment. Heating a car's interior can also drain its battery, so to ensure this doesn't affect the distance, you can travel off a single charge. The iPACE concept features a device called a heat pump. Imagine a refrigerator. A refrigerator pumps heat out of its internal compartment to the outside from a lower temperature to a higher temperature. And this is just what the heat pump does, but reversed. So heat is taken from the outside to the interior compartment and heats the compartment up. Every feature on the iPACE concept has been designed to give you maximum range. Okay, I hope you could understand that because he had a pretty thick but awesome German accent. Uh, I think this is going to be um, anything that gives us more range. Now I say us as if I owned an electric car, I don't. But anything that gives EV owners uh, more range and the more potential to make the car more efficient, this is great. This is awesome. This is exactly where it should be in terms of uh, competition. Uh, Audi's doing great things. Jaguar is doing great things. Chevy's doing great things. And there are more companies, Hyundai and stuff like that. I can't go through them all. Um, but Tesla's pushing this forward. And as a result, we get cool things like a reversed refrigerator heat pump so that uses outside air to heat the interior of the car. Um, pretty cool stuff, I think. Let's see here. And the car looks nice. It, it, maybe not for me. I'm, I've never been a big fan of Jaguars, but the car itself looks kind of cool. They all kind of have this, like, bubbly body. And it all kind of looks like a Faraday Future offshoot of that versus the... The Audi, when you compare the two, it all just kind of looks like the Faraday Future-ish 
cars, but they're not um, quite as uh, of a bubble as that, as an egg shape. I don't know. Uh, they're definitely going for a look when you compare the Bolt, the new Audi um, electric vehicles, the Jaguar I-Pace, and all kind of in the Faraday future, it all kind of looks the same. Same design language, I guess. Okay, so this is from Teslarati Gene. Tesla has made another um, policy change to its supercharger policy, um, and it's kind of there's there's there I there. What they're doing with supercharging seems a very manic. Like they're changing it week by week by week. It seems, but currently. Model S and Model X owners are entitled to free and limited charging on if when on the current vehicles, but if they purchase a new Model S or Model X before December 31st, 2017. After that, then you're not entitled to the supercharging anymore. So I don't know if this is in response to uh, when Tesla uh, basically announced in December, hey, we're getting rid of supercharging, you have three weeks to get a car or however long it was. Um, and then there was some, I know, a little bit of, um, kickback from the, the current owners, but now you can do it until 1231, 2017, giving you plenty of time if you were planning on buying a car to go ahead and get the Model S or Model X, if you can afford it. But my, my personal thought is supercharging is nice and it's definitely a cool feature for somebody who owns a Tesla, but currently I pay for gas and I pay, you know, a fair amount of money in gas. It's not cheap. Um, and if I owned a Tesla, I wouldn't mind paying for a little bit of supercharging. It can't cost nearly as much as it costs to fill up my car, which was, uh, $38 last. And gas is relatively low here in Arizona. It was $38, uh, yesterday. So it can't cost that much. Even if it was 10 bucks, I'd, I'd be thrilled. So um, I want super, I want Tesla to be around for a long time. I want supercharging and destination charging to be around around for a long time, and I don't mind paying to help support that infrastructure. Inside EVs, and I'm going to assume this is Eric Loveday, but I didn't write down the article, the name of the person who did it, uh, who wrote the article. But Tesla has a new contest, and uh, they previously had. Um, the oh man, what's it called? It was a contest about it was driving in Europe, but I can't remember, believe I think something like that. And then they had another one, the Project Love Day, and this one is called the Greatest Drive. And um, you'd be one of the first. This is what it says: be one of the first to drive a Model S P100D or Model X 100D on some of the greatest driving roads in Europe. The prize includes a suggested driving route, so you suggested you can drive wherever you want, three nights at destination charging hotels to be used during your journey, sign up for your chance to experience an unforgettable road trip. If you'd like to share your experience with a friend, nominate a co-pilot to join you, which is, that's fun, and um, I'd probably nominate my wife. Unfortunately, if you don't live in Europe, um, you can't enter. So here are the countries you have to reside in to be able to enter this contest. Germany, Italy, France, Spain, Portugal, Luxembourg, Austria, Belgium, Ireland, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, Norway, the Netherlands, Switzerland, and the United Kingdom. So good luck to all the listeners that live in those countries. 
and too bad for everybody who doesn't. Um, besides, you know, the entry, providing information, personal information about yourself, you have to answer one test, uh, one question, and that is, what makes a great drive? Pretty simple stuff. It sounds like a really exciting um, contest, and uh, I'm jealous. Jealous of all of our European friends. But if you win it, good luck. Or if you win it, send me an email. I'd appreciate it. Bodie at 918digital.com. Next is Fred Lambert. A few months ago, I think it was like six months ago, we talked about Chris Latner. Chris Latner used to work at Apple. He was in, instrumental in designing the Swift language. He's designed, he's a, he's a rock star. Um, I don't know his resume well enough to go into it here, but I know that he's very well respected in Apple and in programming circles. And he was um, big into open source software and development of that, of, of different open source projects. So it turns out uh, he went to Tesla to be vice president of autopilot software. And he says, you know what, Tesla, it's not the place for me. He doesn't go into any other details. And it doesn't sound like it was, um, it doesn't sound like his departure was with bad feelings. But, you know, um, he's leaving or has left. And he was asking, hey, does anybody need a, a programmer? Uh, an experienced veteran programmer, I think is how he put it. Uh, but he did say that the autopilot team grew by over 50% during the six months that he was there. That's pretty impressive. Andrej Karpathy, Karpathy, Karpathy. I know that I'm saying that wrong. Uh, who's the director of AI and auto Jim Keller, who's the autopilot hardware director, RVP. Those guys are going to replace Latner and, uh, work on the software and hardware together. But here's an, ex uh, an excerpt of Latner's updated resume, which kind of gives us an idea as to, to what he did at Tesla in the six months he was there. All right, this is a lot. <clears throat> this is a lot, and I'm a moron. So here we go. Uh, please forgive my terrible reading. We evolved Autopilot for hardware, too, from its early release which has which had few features and was limited to 45 miles an hour on highways to effective effectively to effectively parity with hardware one and surpassing it in some ways example silky smooth control this required the building and shipping of numerous features for hardware two including support for local road roads parallel parking parallel auto park excuse me high speed auto steer summon lane departure warnings automatic lane change low speed aeb automatic emergency braking i'm gonna assume that's what that means full speed auto steer pedal misapplication mitigation auto high beams side collision avoidance full speed aeb perpendicular parking and silky smooth performance this was done by shipping a total of seven major feature releases as well as numerous minor releases to support factory service and other narrow markets one of Tesla's huge, huge advantages in the autonomous driving space is that it has tens of thousands of cars already on the road. We built infrastructure to take care of the event, to take advantage of these, allowing the collection of image and video data from its fleet, as well as building a big data infrastructure in the cloud to process and use it. Some of these things we already know. I uh, defined and drove the feature roadmap 
drove the technical architecture for future um, features and managed the implementation for the next exciting features to come. I advocated for and drove a major rewrite of the deep net architecture in the vision stack, leading to a significantly leading to significant, significantly better dis precision recall and um, inference performance. I made massive improvements to the internal infrastructure process and cannot that I cannot go into detail about. So it looks like even though he was there for six months, and this is him talking, so you know take that with a grain of salt. But he seems like a pretty salt of the earth guy. I've heard. Um, interviews with him before or one interview on the ATP podcast he seems like a pretty down-to-earth guy gives lots of credit to the people that work around him um, so for all that to get done under his watch that's a lot in six months now some of that was probably already um, sounds like he did a lot of changes but some of that was already uh, in it happening and then he just took it and moved it further but don't want to take anything away from the guy because it's a lot. Next story, there's a new adapter. This is from Fred Lambert. There's a new adapter that goes from the Tesla destination charger to the J1772 uh, connector. This allows other EVs to be charged at Tesla destination chargers or the Tesla wall connector. It does not... Um, allow you to do supercharging, just the Tesla destination chargers. Uh, I made a note, and I don't know what it was. Oh, it's a little bit of gray area. We don't know if Tesla's really happy about this or not. Uh, but here are the notes. Uh, the, the JD Apter, the Jadapter stub, will not work with Tesla supercharging, direct current charging. The Jadapter stub will not work with vehicles with European Manichees Type 2 inlets. The adapter will not work with Tesla UMC, Mobile Connect, HPWC wall connectors, and European Manichees Type 2 plugs. Um, it will not work with Tesla Roadster charge stations. Um, it does not exceed 40 amps. It's not recommended to use over 264 volts. Uh, the Toyota RAV4 and 2000. Uh, in 2014 and newer Mercedes uh, class. Okay, it's not re recommended to use over 264 for those vehicles, the Mercedes B-Class ED B250. And some generation Tesla charge stations may require up to 30 seconds to begin charging your EV. Um, but it costs $400. This little adapter, which looks like it's about 8 inches long, costs $400. I don't know how many people are going to be buying one of those. Let me know if you do. Uh, next one's Teslarati, Mike Dolzer. According to Glassdoor.com, Elon Musk is one of the top 100 CEOs uh, with a 90% approval rating. The surveys are anonymous when they get them, and the survey was based off of um, SpaceX employees. Uh, the average approval rating is 67%, so um, that's pretty good, but it only puts Mr. Musk on the list at 8 So... Uh, pretty impressive, the top 10, but uh, only 8. Come on, Elon, get your stuff together. And then our final story, and this uh, comes from Teslarati, Kyle at Teslarati. There is a video, but that in the show notes, Vice, I don't know if you're familiar with Vice, but they've been 
a um, internet property for a while, and then they've partnered with HBO, and they do some good stuff. Some of the things are a little overinflated, and we'll talk a little bit about that right now. But Vice had a special on Tesla and, well, really it was Hawaii's solar and all a renewable energy project. Uh, but it, it had an interview with uh, J.B. Straub. Did I say that right? I think I did. Anyway, I had an interview with him and it talked about uh, what's going on in Hawaii. So here's some interesting things that I didn't know about. Um, oh, I kind of knew. I knew a little of this stuff. Um, not in this much detail. Because I go to Hawaii a lot. I love Hawaii. It's like the whole Polynesian Hawaiian uh, vibe that calls to me. I love that um, group of islands. And we usually go to the big island when we go. But 90% of all of Hawaii's energy relies on fossil fuels. And, um, and 100% of those fossil fuels need to be imported. Which is insane. Uh, I didn't know this, but uh, most Hawaii is the most oil-dependent state in the United States. It costs 5 to $6 billion a year to import oil to Hawaii. It's insane. That is absolutely insane. No wonder their, their prices are so high. The um, energy prices. According to the Vice piece, on average, uh, the a Hawaiian family can pay up to $600 a month in energy bills. And this seemed a little ridiculous to me because I've been, like, like I said, I spent a lot of time in Hawaii. I talk to a lot of people there. They're all very nice and very kind. I'm a firefighter, so sometimes you walk into a station, start a conversation with people. I was like, that seems a little weird. That, that number doesn't seem right. Um, so I did a little uh, research. And in 2015, the Hawaiian Electric Company, HECO, um, they have different numbers. So on Oahu... It's $146 on average a month. Hawaii is $178. Maui is $164. And Kauai is $174. And that's the island where Tesla put the power packs and the solar panels. But that's about twice the cost of the mainland, but it's nowhere near the $600 that Vice is quoting. Now, I'm sure that some families can get up to $600, especially um, if you have a bigger house or a lot of energy needs. But on average, this is what um, the Hawaiian Electric Company has to say about it. Um, <clears throat> so that kind of puts it more into a, a better perspective. Now, to give you, give you an idea, with my solar panels in the wintertime, you know, I basically pay whatever the taxes are for the utility. We don't pay very much at all, maybe $18. In the wintertime, in the summertime, it goes up and we'll pay with the solar panels about 80, but we were paying around the $200 mark in the summertime and about 50 or $60 in the wintertime before we got solar. Um, but it's still, that's still a lot of money. The, the average is, um, it's not $600 a month, but it's still a lot of money. But the governor, the Hawaiian governor, the governor of Hawaii, he wants it to be, wants Hawaii to be hundred percent renewable by 2045, which I think is totally possible might even be possible by 2030. Um, but they talk about how Tesla, the Tesla solar panels and the power packs are helping Kauai. Um, and it helps in the way that you probably think that it does. Uh, Tesla's power, um, solar farm and solar and power packs 
power about 20% of Kauai's energy on the island, which is pretty significant when you consider how much oil they're bringing in to, to power um, these islands to give them electricity. So currently Hawaii is diversifying. So they're going with wind energy, they're going with solar, but then they're doing different manufacturers just in case one of them goes out of business. Hawaii hasn't spent a bunch of money on these systems and they have no one to support them. So I think that's very smart. Hedge your bets. And this is, uh, they sat down with uh, J.B. Strobel and they kind of had a conversation and he said they were talking about how it's more efficient or it's actually cheaper to use solar and the uh, lady in the interview who's doing the interview she said and I didn't write down her name I apologize uh, she said um, if it's so cheap then why doesn't California have these these power plants or these solar farms with the, the, power, the power backup and he said um, I'm paraphrasing in many cases Solar solar and battery packs are cheaper than exist than the existing way of creating energy. The problem is the upfront cost that went into the legacy energy solutions. So like the nuclear, the peaker plants, that kind of thing. Um, and it's, he says it's going to take time for whoever put those in to recoup their costs. And while they're recouping their costs, you know, solar's just kind of waiting on the on the sideline, filling um, holes where it can to help the, the, the grid. Uh, okay, that's it. That's the whole show, 32 minutes. Thank you very much for listening. I do have a quick uh, little pick, and I have a network-attached storage. I happen to have a QNAP, but it doesn't really matter what kind you have. If you don't know what it is, go and look on, online uh, because uh, they're pretty cool to have. I use mine. It's basically a giant hard drive with a little bitty kind of computer attached to it. And I use mine to back up video files and audio files that I do for this podcast and some other side jobs and things like that. Um, but what I recently started doing was uh, about a year ago, I started moving our DVD collection and our iTunes collection onto the NAS. And then I use a program called Plex to organize it. And then I can put Plex on I put Plex on the NAS, and then I put Plex on my iPhone, my Apple TV, my iPads, and with a service called Plex Pass that you pay about five dollars a month for, you can watch all of the movies on your Plex server, which is at your house on the NAS, anywhere in the world. And for us, since uh, we've been doing a lot of traveling lately, one of the things that is super helpful is being able to be in a hotel or be in an Airbnb and the kids want to watch one of their favorite shows. We don't have to download it at all to the iPad. We just connect to Wi-Fi and start playing it, and it works like a charm. So if you're interested in that, there's plenty of YouTube videos that show you how to do it if you don't have the, if you're not nerdy and technical. Uh, but it's not hard. And, you know, get yourself a little play, a little NAS network attached attach storage um, put all your movies on, and then next thing you know, um, you're in good shape. It works out really well, actually. I have to, I'm just amazed with Plex. I've been a Plex user since, like, it was in beta, um, and I went away from it a little bit because it, it wasn't super helpful for me uh, back when I was in beta, but it organizes your photos, it organizes your songs, it organizes your video. It's a really good program. 
So it's awesome. So thank you very much for listening. Let's go over how to get a hold of me because I didn't do this yesterday. If you have comments, send them to Bodie at 918digital.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at 918digital. Phone number is 918-401-0071. Leave a message and I'll, I'll put your message on the show. Uh, if you could leave a review wherever you get your podcast, that would this podcast, that would really help. And then uh, I have iOS stickers. If you are an iPhone or iPad user, um, check out the show notes and you'll have a link to the iOS stickers. All right. That's the whole show. Thank everybody for listening. Uh, Tomorrow's show should be a little bit shorter because I don't have nearly as many articles to go through. All right, everybody. Thank you and have a great day. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.